Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. This is Corey. Welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, if you're interested in following up with any of the stories I'm about to discuss, you can find the links to the articles at blog.lgbthealthlink.org, where we have a written version of today's roundup. Now let's jump in with our first story, Media Coverage Boosts Youth Seeking Care. Researchers led by Ken Pang found that local media coverage of gender identity issues resulted in a one to two week bump in new patients at gender affirming clinics for youth. They studied two clinics, one in the UK and one in Australia, for eight years and found that seeing media coverage seems to be associated with young people um, feeling encouraged to seek care. The results underscore the importance of visibility for transgender youth. Next up, now that we have your attention, a new study led by Holly Fontenot evaluated the effectiveness of different public health marketing strategies to get queer young men to participate in sexual health research. This was on a um, popular dating app, and they tried out basically three different messages, one that was kind of a classic public health message, one that was more about uh, the technology side of things, like help us test a new app, and one of them used sexual innuendo to try to get people's attention with a kind of funny message. As you may not be surprised to learn, it was the latter, the sexual innuendo, that got people's attention, um, you know, maybe made them feel comfortable, made them laugh, made them want to see what it was about, and that got not only the most clicks, but actually the most people to sign up as study participants. So it's a really um, interesting study just to show that it's not impossible to recruit LGBT folks to participate um, in research, which, you know, sometimes um, research doesn't get done because people think that it's it's too hard to reach the population. You just have to be um, smart and creative about how you uh, go about bringing people into that study. Next up, homelessness impacting youth during the pandemic. Newsday reported on the surge of LGBT youth experiencing homelessness as many young folks continue to struggle with unaccepting families and either leave home for their own safety or end up getting kicked out. Now, we've been covering stories like this for quite a while now, pretty much since the beginning of the pandemic, and there continues to be news coverage, which is great to see the coverage, horrible to see the issue continuing. But I do think that as time goes along and restrictions aren't getting lifted and people are still getting stuck at home, you know, maybe some stuff that that youth were able to keep under the surface um, for, you know, the first couple months is, is finally wearing down on even more youth and families. And that's really distressing to see. The article discusses a lot of service providers and programs that are um, helping out these youth, uh, but there are still many who end up sleeping outdoors or on couches because shelters are so limited and many um, LGBT youth don't find their local shelter to be safe or affirming for them. In our next story, HIV Treatment Works Resources. The CDC published fresh resources for its Let's Stop HIV Together campaign under the theme HIV Treatment Works. These include infographics discussing how receiving care for HIV can improve the quality of one's life. It also has videos exploring some of the challenges and benefits of entering and being retained in care after receiving an HIV diagnosis. So definitely go um, check those out. You can go to the Let's Stop HIV Together campaign to, to see more. Next up. HPV vaccination among queer women. 
Researchers led by Eric Ajay Boyake found that lesbian and bisexual women ages 18 to 34 were more likely than their heterosexual peers to have initiated the three-part HPV vaccination process and to actually complete all three doses. This is an unusual study where we find that there's actually a, a good disparity between um, queer folks and other folks. Um, and, you know, there, the study, of course, doesn't explore why this is the case. Um, you know, it may be that um, without queer women, you know, are more um, attuned to sexual health, are, are more concerned with risks. Who knows? Um, but it, in this particular study, they found that, that uh, queer young women were more likely to be participating in HPV vaccination processes, which is great. Even so, the number of queer women who began the vaccination and who completed it, which were 24% of queer women who who completed all three um, vaccinations, is well, well short of the government's 80% vaccination goal. So even though, you know, queer women were doing a little bit better than than heterosexual women at uh, at getting vaccinated, still way too few people and a lot more um, work needed to be done to get people that life-saving vaccine. And finally for this week, California begins inclusive data collection. The LA Blade reported that California has begun to collect sexual orientation and gender identity data, also known as SOGI data, in its information related to COVID-19 cases, as well as in the data that it collects on all other similar infectious diseases. The state made the decision through executive action, and at press time, the state legislature was weighing a bill that would do the same thing but actually enshrine it in state law. Few states have taken action like this to ensure that LGBT folks are counted as we respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. And what I thought was especially um, good about this story is that they are applying it to all kind of, you know, infectious disease um, surveillance that the state does and not just, you know, for COVID-19. I think that, you know, there are lessons for us to learn from this pandemic. Um, It's been terrible and, uh, you know, it would be even worse if we didn't come out of this trying to strengthen our public health systems and trying to prevent um, such disastrous results from happening again and to address a lot of the disparities that are happening. So it's nice to see the state, you know, using this example to actually do more inclusive data collection in general. And a lot of other states could follow suit. And I'm sure that in California, there's a lot of other places where they collect different types of health data that could also be made more LGBT inclusive. So this is um, a really good first step and hopefully an example for others. Well, that does it for another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. If you would like to check out any of the articles that I have covered, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where you will find links to all of those stories. Uh, Thanks for listening, and I hope that you'll tune in next week for another edition.